Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Hey, is, is this thing on? Welcome to the campfire. I'm Peggy. And I'm Tony. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. This week we have on our chat topic, fire. Yeah. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. The West Coast is ablaze and it's not a good thing. Yeah, and usually I use West of the Rockies to indicate the West Coast, but Colorado's on fire too, so... It's crazy, and we're recording this in September of 2020, so it's not even the start of fire season in California yet. I mean, it's kind of the edge, but... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely in it. Yeah, in it to win it. We had a camp out scheduled with a bunch of other campers this past weekend. We're really looking forward to it. And, of course, due to fire, that got canceled. Fire broke out just north of the campground, so we had to stay home. Yeah, and California's closed their state parks, I believe, due to fire. I mean, it's just nuts. It's this incredible widespread fires all over. The point of this is we have a few articles about using your RV as a bug-out vehicle, which I'm sure that's one of the reasons you have one if you're here in California. Even if it's not why you bought one, you definitely are prepared right now to use it as that. Boy, isn't that the truth? So we have an article about that. We have an article about the bug out bucket. A few articles that might remind you of staying safe. Another thing, you might want to get a weather radio or some weather device. But the reason I like the weather radio is if you're in a place where there's no cell signal, and that'll come up later in the podcast, a weather radio can alert you to severe weather because while we've been having fires on the left coast, over on the right coast, they've been having some serious weather. As is always the case. The east coast is always flooding and we're always burning. You know, my dad used to say, why don't they just build a big pipe? Right. Let's get all the that excess water from the east coast and pipe it over to the west coast where we need it they Would do it with oil yeah exactly right we can get oil from the east coast so why not water right and i'm sure when it's flooding over there you'd be like oh you guys can have all the water you want <laughs> yeah but maybe some lessons have been learned you know like mulholland you know now the story is la stole all the water from owens valley yeah well we and did even or they even did. the lake here that we live on the water's owned by the next county so you know people are gonna be a little leery about saying sure have my excess water (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're like a sponge here anyway just be safe and have tools that will help you to know what's going on as it's going on because you want to be able to evacuate or just stay safe wherever you are whether that's at your home base or out on the road And again, I I wouldn't always rely on just the cell phone because there's a lot of times when it isn't the best tool. Right. You're not always going to have cell signal. Nope. Even with what we're talking about later in the podcast. Right. Which is very exciting. And you know what else is exciting? Gold! Gold in the Mar Hills. Absolutely. Right after we come back from this, our next guest is going to talk about 
mining and prospecting for gold. So we'll be right back with that. I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great. But uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Wait, 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 okay. That's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is the perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code Happy Campers, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code Happy Campers from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. We are here with our friend Sandy Thewitt. And she is a boondocker, a girl camper, a sister on the fly a gold miner, a treasure hunter. How many more labels can we put on you, Sandy? No, don't put any more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you, did you mention vintage campers? No, <laughs> I did not. No, I'm a camper, yeah. <laughs> and I'm basically a full-timer because I live mostly off the grid and uh, I kind of live the camping lifestyle. You know, I don't live in a regular house. I built my own tiny house. Oh, great. Wow. I actually have two. But uh, I live off the grid anyway, so it's not it's not like a, a major change for me to go into the woods. Other than the address. Yeah. Other than the address, exactly. And mostly I don't have an address. <laughs> <laughs> Third tree past the broken stump. <laughs> I love it. That's a good address. So when you go out into the woods, you are treasure hunting, right? Yes. And normally what I found is... Um, I love to go camping, and I've done it for many, many years, almost since I've been here in America. And that's been my total lifestyle, was to live like that. I came here to America in 1977, so it's been a long time that I've sort of lived off the grid. And it always actually surprised me that, you know, I could do that here, because when you're overseas and you look back to America, you don't think that people can live off the grid. They're normally fancy houses with big cars. So it was a, a treat to be able to do that, and I've done it since I've been here. Yeah, we're kind of spoiled. So when I go, when I go camping, I've found that I get bored very easily. That's my nature, to get bored very easily, so I have to have a hobby. And so gold hunting and treasure hunting suited itself very well to go camping. We've crossed paths many, many times, right. but gold mining is what made us think, oh man, we got to get you on the podcast. Yeah. So my vision of gold mining is somebody in the river with a pan, like kind of panning for gold. How crazy am I? How far off 
from reality well, am no, I? Well, no, you're pretty spot on because gold hunting nowadays is mostly recreational. There are some gold mines around where people are seriously going into um, what they call load gold. That's the gold that is actually still in the mountains. But most people are recreational platinum hunters. That's looking for gold that has already been washed down in rivers and creeks. And, and you'll actually find platinum gold in the desert because remember, the geology that we're dealing with today is not the geology as it was yesterday. Right. So a million years ago, what is now a big dry wash could have been a raging river. And so it will be full of plaza gold, even though there's no water there today at all. In fact, it's dry desert. So there's lots of different ways to go gold hunting. I mean, there's lots of tools that help you, but the bottom line is it's work. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. <laughs> so you've got to really love to do it. You've got to love to be crawling around in the dirt. And you've got to love that feeling of the hunt. And when you find something, it's just so exciting to be able to do it. Because otherwise, everybody would be doing it. And finding gold is not easy. I mean, you could work for years and years and years and find maybe an ounce if you're lucky. So, um you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Sure. And I find very few people, when I go gold hunting down by the river, maybe one other old prospector who's killing time doing it, but I don't <laughs> find a lot of young people doing it. I think it's too much like hard work. Tony was mentioning when you're by the river, when you're in the water, I think you kind of scoop off the bottom and then filter out and... Well, yeah, you can do that, but that's not that's not very productive. Ah. The way to find gold by a river, you look at benching, you look at where the river used to be, not where the river is today. I mean, gold is still coming down from what they call the load from the mountains. Mm-hmm. But what you're looking for is old gold, gold that came down a million years ago and got trapped in the bedrock. So you look at a river and you say, oh, is this a new river or is the old river, you know, 50 yards to the left of this river? Mm-hmm. And then you go dig a hole and you uh, get dirt. You get okay. dirt out of a hole and then you classify that dirt. You take that dirt and you push it through what we call classifiers. You're breaking it down until you get to a, a dirt that's more or less just like sand. And then you pan that. Okay. Or then you can have, a, you, there's machinery. In the desert, there's a thing called a dry washer. You shovel the dirt into this machine. That, it's almost like a shaker table. It shakes the dirt up. The dust, the very small dust, drops down into this other table, which is shaking with wind blowing up underneath it from a, from a leaf blower. And that will take the light dirt off and leave the heavy stuff. Remember that gold is 17 times heavier than water. Wow. So wherever you've got water, gold is going to be at the very bottom. So to dig a hole, you're looking for bedrock because that, you're, or a big flat rock that will stop that gold going down. Right. Huh. When I was selling travel trailers, I was surprised at the number of people who told me, oh, I'm going to take this up into the hills or whatever, and I pan for, or I mine gold or pan for gold. Right. And, and it, it just, at first I was really surprised. And after a while, I, it was enough people that it caught my attention. I mean, you know, it wasn't a, any big number, but it was enough where it made me kind of... It wasn't just yeah. one kooky person. <laughs> yeah, well, well, gold is a boon or bust endeavor. Unless you've got gold fever, which I think I must have, (laughs) you're looking for gold because of its value. Gold will be running at $1,000 an ounce, and now it's over $2,000 an ounce. So now we're into a boon. So everybody that's looking for gold for financial gain 
is saying, wow, you know, one ounce of gold is $2,000. Yeah. So, you know, you go out there and you start digging and hopefully you'll find your ounce of gold. I haven't yet. I found maybe a penny weight now and again. But to find a big nugget or, or one ounce of gold is very rare. Like I say, if it, if it happened a lot, everybody would be doing it. Right. Sure. People get disappointed because they're not finding that amount. But then when you're when you're out there, you know, it's sort of you find little pieces and it, it all adds up. Correct. Is it enough? You know, some hobbies like classic cars, for example, is not a hobby that even pays for itself unless you're really lucky. Is this right. a hobby that at least pays for its own? No. Okay. This, again, is a hobby that is, you're always hoping. Okay. Mm. I mean, if you're a hunter, you go out, not every day you're going to get a deer. Right. Right, right. But you still get that feeling. Right. You get that thrill, the thrill of the chase. You right. get that, every pan is going to be a big gold nugget in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, there isn't, so that makes you go and dive out for another pan. Yeah. So this time is going to be a big gold nugget. So wherever I go, I take my, I have a metal detector and in the desert, you can look for nuggets with a metal detector. And when I go here, I go up onto the, um, the Feather River, which is a good river for gold and, uh, dig a big hole. And every shovelful, when I pan it out, there's going to be a nugget in there. Mm-hmm. And usually there isn't. Usually there's a few little flakes, which right. are just as exciting. And then you put that in your little drawer and you keep that drawer and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day you look at that drawer and you think, oh my gosh, look at all that gold. That's the size of a nugget. That's <laughs> the size of two or three nuggets. Yeah, exactly. I always figured it's like you find those. Well, I, when my experience panning for gold is it's from... Knott's Berry Farm. That's exactly it. <laughs> Knott's Berry Farm where they have that, I guess, a sluice and you get your pan and you can pan for right. gold there. And it, it was fun as a kid because you always felt like, wow... You know, people used to, and they've banned it now in California, but they, you used to be able to take a dredge into the river. And there's no doubt about it. Dredges do create some damage to the river. Yeah, dredge is like a big vacuum cleaner, and it sucks up the dirt from the bottom, and then it sprays that dirt through a classifier, and then the dirt then drops back into the river again. And so you're creating this great big flow of liquid mud that's going down the river, yeah. which is not good for the fish. So they banned that in California. You can't do that anymore. You can't uh, dredge the bottom of the river anymore. So mm. now it's uh, it's much, much harder to find quantities of gold. You can still find the little nugget, and that's why it's called recreational. You're doing it for fun. You're not doing it to make a fortune. Right. You know, you're just doing it because it's so much fun. It's just like hunting or metal detecting when you never know if it's going to be an old coin or a new coin. It's just you get that thrill, and it goes so well with camping because most places that you have to go gold hunting, you're away from everybody. You know, you're by a river, you're in the woods, you're up a mountain, so you're away from the masses. And you mm-hmm. set up your little campsite, and then you go and you have your dinner, and then you go back to the river for an hour, and then you come back, and then you pan out your black sand, and it's just a whole sort of uh, recreational 
interesting, fun thing to do. And when you're doing that camping, you're really boondocking, which we talk about quite often because we, although we don't go maybe as remote as you do most of the time, we do like to boondock and we like to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And Sandy and I were talking before and said it's necessarily boondocking because where you're going to go to look for these treasures, unless you have a 25 mile extension cord, you're not going to have any hookups. No. Now, you don't have hookups. You're boondocking and you've got a little propane fridge and you've got cold food. If not, you you know, your beer's warm. And of course, being British, I don't mind warm beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's not a hardship for me. You put your six pack in the river with you. It's camping. It's the, the old word, camping. Right, you right. Know, it's not taking your house with you. It's uh, build your little fire, cook over the fire, that kind of camping. Which is sort of how all this got started. I mean, yeah. Nowadays, these rigs are are pretty fancy, but in the olden days... And you have to have hookups to run all the idiot lights on them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You just can't even get that darkness because your rig has got all these lights on them that you can't turn off. Where do you find places to go? I mean, by now, of course, you've been doing this, as you said, since 1977. So you're probably the person who guides others to where to go. For someone who wants to truly get into having fun gold hunting, not don't think of it as a way of making a living, but just having fun, getting in the river, digging up, and then getting the thrill of finding that little speck of gold in the bottom of your pan. The best thing to do is join a club because clubs have the resources to have lots of gold claims. Mm -hmm. A gold claim is when the government opens up a big area and says, if you can find minerals, then you can claim this land and you can have 20 acres. And I think they charge something like 300 and something dollars a year to maintain that 20 acres. But you've got to find it. And most good places are already claimed. And most of them are claimed by clubs because they can afford to have multiple claims. Sure. So if you join one of those clubs, then you have total access to their claims. And their claims are usually on fairly good, what's called proven areas, because, you know, people wouldn't join the club if they weren't going to find gold. Right, they wouldn't keep paying for that 20 acres if they weren't finding anything there. Yeah, and most clubs are not that expensive, you know, $60, $70 a year to join the club. Mm -hmm. And then you get access to all their claims. Plus you get access to the expertise of their older members that have been there. Right. And they usually have outings and stuff. And when this COVID isn't around, they usually have potlucks and stuff. So you get the the kind of a social life as well. So that's the best way of getting into it is join a club. Now, there's one called the GPAA, which is Gold Prospectors of America Association. That's a huge, huge club when they put out their own magazine and they have claims all over the country. That's a big club and it's been going forever and ever. And I like it, but I also like the little local clubs where you have local dudes who've started a club because they have a half a dozen claims that they want to share with people, uh-huh. that kind of thing. I belong to a couple of clubs, and the, the one that I like best right now is the one that has the claims on their Feather River. The Feather River is a good gold river. The Yuba River is a good gold river. The American is a good gold river. Up there in the Sierras is some really good gold still to be found. 
I'm wondering, so we have a lot of good gold rivers nearby. Is that what prompted you to settle in this area? Or were you here and then found out, hey, I landed in a good gold spot? I got out of the British Army. I was a war dog trainer in the Army. And I was hired by the San Francisco SBCA as a state humane officer. I was San Francisco's first female state humane officer. The state humane officer is kind of like a fish and game officer, except you're dealing with domestic animals. Mm -hmm. And so I did that in San Francisco for about 10 years and of course rescued so many animals that you know I had a whole bunch of them and then uh, it was time to move I needed to get out of the city and I came up to Lake County and bought some acreage because I had goats and pigs and horses and you know all those kind of things and um, decided hey I needed to go back to work so I needed because uh, my neighbor's property came for sale and we wanted to buy that so I went back to work as an animal control officer here in Lake County and so I was an animal control officer for for many, many years before I retired. When I retired, I opened up a rock shop. And that's how we first, and first met Sandy. And that's where I started getting into the gold <laughs> hunting, you know, big time, was because I, I'd go to places like Quartzsite to buy rocks for my shop. Uh-huh. and buy, you know, stuff that you need in a rock shop. And I'd go down there and I'd see these guys gold hunting up in the hills and I realized that Quartzsite actually had a good club, a really good gold prospecting club, and they have some good gold sites. So I joined their club and, and they started teaching me how to be a good gold hunter and that's how I got started being a gold hunter down there in Quartzsite in the Excellent. desert. That's so cool. And so then when I came back here and a couple of, you know, like we wasn't able to get down to the desert in the summer because it's too hot. Yeah. I thought, now oh, I need to go gold hunting. So then I started hunting up in the Sierras and up in the Trinity. The Trinity Alps is good gold hunting country too. So you've got your winter gold and your summer gold. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I have different metal detectors and different tools for each area. That's because awesome. Because desert hunting for gold is totally, totally different from gold hunting up in the Sierras. Because huh. it's wet. River hunting is different from desert hunting. Sure. And when you're hunting for those things, you have said, you're not necessarily just a gold hunter. You're a treasure hunter. Absolutely. What other things do you find? Oh, I found lots of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you drive along, you see a beach, and you have your metal detector in the back. Are you sure. going to drive by? Of course not. You pull right into that parking lot, and you get your metal detector out. You find yeah, someone's found long lost keys. And rings and coins. What I love the most is I love finding coins the most because they're dated. And you know, when you look at the date of a coin that you found, then you you get a whole history goes through your head. Uh, you, know, yeah. you find a wheat penny. A, a wheat penny is any penny before 1958. Yeah. And and they give a really good signal because back then you really got good metal. Right now the pennies are zinc and so they just wore out very quickly. But wheat pennies are always in good shape and you could read the dates on them. Yeah, they're all silver copper. 64. Anything before 64, if it's a silver coin, it's silver. Yeah. The quarters were silver, the dimes were silver before 1964. I didn't know the dimes were too. Nothing more maddening than finding a coin that's 1964. Because <laughs> you know it's, you're one year <laughs> off getting a silver coin. <laughs> and those coins can be worth more. Absolutely for the metal than for the yes. coin unless there's some real numismatic value to it. Correct. Yeah, that's why you always check the dates. I found a coin down in Lower Lake. It was an 1867 Seated wow. Liberty Dime. Wow. Found it under an old tree. Do you know where uh, KFC is now? Yeah. That used to be an old parking lot that was just dirt. 
and I oh. found an 1867 wow. mercury dime under that tree. Oh, so man, you don't have so to go exciting. far to find treasures. Oh, no. I found more good stuff in, you know, in your own backyard than you'll find anywhere else. When you think of somebody in 1867 losing a dime, that was a lot, was a of, lot of money. money. Yeah. They were probably exactly. very sad. Oh, yeah. But a dime is easy to lose because it's so small. Yeah. But anyway, I sold that dime for $360. Hey, wow. not bad for a 10 cents. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Treasure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I found lots of jewelry and necklaces. and I bought myself a motorbike for my 70th birthday. I've never, ever ridden a motorbike before. And I thought, <laughs> you know, before I die, I'm going to ride a motorbike. So I bought this motorbike with a sidecar on it. It was an, a, what, called a Ural. That's good. Then you and don't I've have to worry about falling over. I've never ridden a motorbike over. before. And my friend said to me, Come on, you've got to learn how to ride this bike. So I said, oh, okay. So we stuffed the sidecar full of camping gear, <laughs> and we went on a 3,000-mile trip. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, wow. It took me 200 miles to learn how to get out of second gear. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so terrified in my life. <laughs> I've never been on the road before. And because I had a sidecar in California, you're not required to have a motorcycle license. So I didn't have to take a motorcycle test. Ah. And so we hit the road. And we went all over Utah and everywhere. But anyway, the point of the story is we drove into this park. And I think if I remember rightly, it was Utah. And there was a beach. And I got my metal detector out. And bingo, I found this huge gold man's wing with diamonds in it. Wow. And I was blown over. I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, I, I just kept thinking, the poor guy that lost that, he must be an absolute shock. So I went to all the little police stations and stuff in that area and gave them a description, put it on Facebook. A year later, no one had claimed it. So there we go. Gold is running at about $2,000 an ounce then. And this ring was very valuable just because of the weight of the gold I found. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, again, treasure. Yeah. Man, that makes that whole trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just the ride. But just the thrill, the absolute thrill. You know, I spent hours on that little bit of beach looking for more stuff because I found that. Yeah. You know, and I found some pennies and some quarters and stuff like that, but it's the thrill. It's the total thrill of the chase. Yeah. Wow. I think you figured out how to do things right. <laughs> well, I just have fun. Life is short. Boy, that's true. When you're retired, it's hard to keep yourself occupied. So this is how I keep myself occupied. <laughs> and I'm one way. of these people that has to be occupied. I can't just sit in front of the TV. I, I can't <laughs> sit still. I've got to be doing something. Yeah. Boy, Sandy, you you are just fascinating to talk to. I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I get excited when anybody wants to listen about <laughs> gold hunting, <laughs> hunting. <laughs> yeah, um, and rock hunting. You know, there's so much to do when you're camping. I talk to a lot of people and they just want to go camping. And that's fine too. You know, that's all you want to do is take your little camper and go out there and, and sit in there and look at the view. That's wonderful. But that's not for me. I have to be doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Rock hounding is its own podcast episode. I think so. We'll have to have you come back and talk about just rock hounding. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of fun. And Lake County is a gem of a county for rock hounding. Absolutely. We have lots and lots in Lake County. Yeah. You get those diamonds, for example. Oh, yeah. I got some dudes. 
Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, this was great. Thank you very much. Hey, you're more than welcome. I hope to see you in Quartzite again one day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're planning to go this year. Yeah, we're definitely oh, you going. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll meet up in uh, Beer Bellies again. Oh, Excellent. that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that sounds great. In fact, right. I've been seeing a lot of people on Facebook, you know, the Escapees group and the Cast Iron group. Oh, the and Cast Iron cooking thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. we might have to stay longer just so we can stay two or three days with every group that I want to hang out with. <laughs> oh, that yeah. food is absolutely great. Yeah. <laughs> Those girls know how to cook. Yeah. So Sandy, thank you so much again for joining us and talking with us. And we do look forward to talking to you again soon. And we absolutely look forward to seeing you in Quartzite. Absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank right. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 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 Everybody seems to be talking about lithium batteries for their RVs. Of course, they charge faster, last longer, weigh less, and require zero maintenance. Plus, you don't have to replace them every few years. We love Lion Energy's safe lithium batteries, and with their limited lifetime warranty, they're the last batteries you'll have to buy for your RV. Of course, we have a discount for you on our Discounts and Deals page. And you can learn more about why lithium is the way to go. I love Sandy. Isn't she wonderful? (laughs) (laughs) What a great guest. She is such a kick to hang around with and talk to. Peggy knew her from the rock shop because Peggy, being a geologist, likes rocks. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, at our sticks and bricks, we just got a cabinet for Peggy's rocks. I just keep mine in my head. (laughs) So this week, we have a gadget report. One of the things that's been going on in my world, I am now writing RV gadget articles for not just stressless camping, but also for RV travel. So I'm I'm popular this week. I have an article on RV travel, articles on stressless camping, and we'll have an article in the upcoming Girl Camper magazine too. Man, I've been banging on the keys. I know. I love <laughs> I love writing. This week's RV gadget report is the WeBoost Drive 4GX. And some of you are like, what? What that is, is it's a cell phone booster. So it takes what could be a weak signal and essentially amplifies it so it's usable as long as there's an actual signal right as long as there's something to boost i have found almost universally rv park wi-fi is terrible even if they say oh we've got this great wi-fi oh we've got all this signal oh blah 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 nah yeah it's never it's never well it's never what you have at home no and it's not even as good as cell coverage i mean i've found for example sometimes i get good signal and i just want to look at some wi websites and nothing i it's slow and terrible and i've actually had my credit card number hacked because well it was my own fault i've actually logged into park wi-fi's and then turned my wi-fi off because it was so slow yeah it was like showing a really full signal but it was so slow that it was worthless and the reality is they can only give you as much as they can get right let's say it's the same signal you get at home and there's 50 rvs all trying to stream netflix it's not gonna work So RV park Wi-Fi is generally terrible. 
And as long as you're willing to accept that, then we have other <laughs> options. There's a device called the WeBoost RVX now, which is a new version of what we have, which is the WeBoost Drive 4GX. And that device basically takes cell signal and they claim they can boost it significantly. Also, that new WeBoost device comes with a different antenna than ours came with. And it comes with a mount to mount the antenna on a ladder because they want you to mount the antenna on something metal. And most RVs don't have anything oh, metal yeah. on the outside. So you should know this thing ain't cheap. It's 500 bucks. So you're going to be spending a little bit of money. You have an outside antenna that picks up the cell signal and an indoor antenna that delivers it to your devices. And the way we did this is we mounted the outside antenna on the ladder and then ran the cable in where the TV antenna cable went, punched a hole where the TV would go, and put the inside amplifier right there. And it looks pretty good. Yeah. The amplifier we can also take out of our travel trailer and put it in our truck so that when we're driving around, we can boost the cell signal there too, because we use navigation. Yeah, we use navigation. And so that requires a cell signal. And we've used the 12 volt plug in our RV so we can boost the cell signal while we're boondocking. Yep. Now, all right, sit back, kids. It's going to get nerdy. <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm just going to lay over here and take a nap. Yeah, she probably will. <laughs> so cell signal is measured in decibels or dB. The lower the number, the better, essentially. A cell signal that's about negative 110 dB is fairly worthless, whereas a really good cell signal is negative 50 dB. It's actually a logarithmic scale, kind of like the Richter scale. So for example, a negative 3 dB gain is a doubling of what you get coming in, essentially. Why don't they just number it in positive numbers and then the big numbers would be better? I don't know. <laughs> that's more nerdy even than So when than you said the small numbers are better, I thought, well, that's odd, but then they're all negative numbers. So small negative numbers are big numbers. Maybe it's like golf. That's it. The lower the number, the better your game. That's right. There you go. The lower the number, the better your game. Now you might say, okay, how does that translate into bars on my phone? You can go into field test mode on your phone <laughs> and you can actually see what this decibel rating is. This DB rating rather is. So I did that. <laughs> Why is this funny? Just because it's so nerdy. Oh. I dig this kind of nerdy stuff, which is why I'm the RV Gadget Guy, right? <laughs> so you can go into field test mode. And recently when we were in the Redwoods up at Standish Hickey, I had the cell booster turned off and measured and it was a negative 105, which is pretty worthless. I mean, it was eh, it was okay, but not great. And then when I turned it on, it went to negative 80, which is a significant change and made a huge difference in my phone's usability. When we were on the coast after hitting the awning on a tree, <laughs> by the way, 2200 bucks. <laughs> you had to bring bucks, that up, didn't you? <laughs> it chaps my hide. <laughs> When we were on the coast, before I turned on the WeBoost, the cell measuring was negative 135, which basically means I had a doorstop in my hand that looked like a phone. Yeah. When I turned it, was it on. a camera. Yeah, that's true. It's a camera. When I turned it back on, 
it went to negative 115, which is still pretty terrible. So did boost it, but not enough to make it usable. But again, it can only boost what it can get. Luckily, that was a fun <laughs> trip and we weren't supposed to be using internet. We were supposed to be just hanging out. Right, but this is good. <laughs> but a lot of times we are on the road and we are working, so we need some kind of signal. So this is important information. It's just Every once in a while, we just go camping just to yeah, that's sit true. around and do nothing. Oh, these cell boosters, by the way, will work with any cell company. So no matter who you are using, they basically just take the signal and amplify what you got. So we happen to be using AT&T and we happen to have iPhones. I have an iPhone XS XS Max, whatever. So I have one of those. <laughs> So There's anyway, too many numbers and letters on those things. Yeah, that's true. Why don't they just go iPhone big and iPhone little and there that you would go. be cool. iPhone big and. But not the new iPhone big and. The big and new one. I like better like in cars when they put names on them instead of numbers. It's easier for me to remember. Yeah, right? So Coupe should, de Ville. They should name all their phones. I got the iPhone Coupe de Ville. Brome. <laughs> but they don't call cars like cadillac isn't like coupe de ville and seville and stuff it's like xlr yeah. and cts yeah i don't like that I don't it's either. hard to remember i don't know the difference between those things and i don't care enough to want to know right anyway oh okay wait wait we were talking about cell phones sorry <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should have just gone to sleep <laughs> Well, anyway, we use this thing. And again, of course, the other limitation is if you blow through all your cell phone data, then that's right. a problem too. Internet on the road is still somewhat of a challenge. We're all waiting for Elon Musk's Starlink to get rolling. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of ways around it. There's a whole internet resource center for RVers online. I will put a link to their website because they do a super job. And that's, I mean, they think about it day and night. And there's updates and they just spend a tremendous amount of time on this. And so that's something definitely to look at. So if you do actually need internet on the road to work, I would definitely subscribe to their website. So there you go. We boost drive 4GX. I have one. I like it. So while you're out there on the road and you have really good cell signal, call a you're friend. Lucky. Call a friend and tell him that call, you heard about wait, it from call. us. Wait, you can use those things as a telephone? You actually can, yeah. Oh, I know, you know it's hard for you to believe. If you were at that KOA, the Manchester Beach KOA, they had two working pay phones there. And based on the cell signal, I think I That's know why. why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Text your friend. There you go. And tell them that you heard about We Boost yeah. on Stressless Camping. Right. And that they should listen too. <laughs> <laughs> well, or Panning for Gold. That's right. Yeah. That was pretty darn cool. And you know, of course, we're in all the social places, which is where we're really using our phones for. You can start at stresslesscamping.com. And then from there, we can send you wherever you need to be to be social and do all the social stuff. And then use that phone and subscribe to Stressless Camping Podcast. It's free. It is free to subscribe on any podcast app. And we have a seat for you around our virtual campfire. Of course, a review would help others find us too, which is a big help. So we really appreciate for sure. the reviews. So thank you. Thank you for joining us again this week. Hopefully we weren't too nerdy, <laughs> but we did tell you how to find some gold. That's right. And hopefully you think that there's gold in this podcast. Whoa. Oh, man. Whew. 
almost got away without the pun. <laughs> oh, we sure appreciate you. So thank you for joining us once again and happy, happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping.